podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. One of the things about Ireland when you're struggling through the miserable wet July and August that we get pretty much every year is that older people tell you, but remember, you'll get lovely weather in September. Not this year. More rain, more clouds, more cold. Not ideal. But the Premier League season is nearly upon us. Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick, of course. And today we continue our preview of the 2020-2021, which is a mouthful, Premier League season. Uh, yesterday covered Arsenal through to Crystal Palace. Today we've got Everton through to Manchester United. Going to run through the seven teams, what they've done so far, what I still think they need, and a, a rough prediction on where I think they'll finish. Tomorrow, then, we'll go Newcastle through to Wolves. Thursday is going to be prediction day, so I'll go through my early prediction for my league table and some other. You know, bits and bobs. Of course, these are early predictions because the transfer window doesn't end for another month. But it's fun to do them. So let's jump straight in with Everton. Um, They've signed Alan from Napoli and James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. These are huge signings for Everton. No matter what way you look at it, James Rodriguez is a superstar. No matter what way you look at it, Alan is one of the best midfield players in the world. These are great signings for Everton, and these are these are a marker for the, the draw of Carlo. Carlo is one of the best managers in the world. And again, no matter what way you look at it, he's one of the best managers in the Premier League. He's taken over an Everton team that have underperformed year after year after year, that have wasted money in the transfer market year after year after year. And he is making changes, and it's really good to see. Because I think the Premier League is better off when Everton are good. And even as a Liverpool fan, I want to see Everton really strong. I think football in Merseyside, or the city of Liverpool itself, benefits from having a strong Everton as well as a strong Liverpool. So I think it's really good to see. I'm going to be interested to see what formation they play this year. Uh, You kind of expected Carlo to go 4-4-2. But they have been playing 4-3-3 uh, a lot in preseason. Now, the new signings can fit into 4-3-3. If you look at the front three, you'd say Hammers off the right, Calvert-Lewin through the middle, Richarlison on the left. And then you've got the likes of Walcott, Moise Keane and uh, Bernard in reserve. So that's pretty strong. That's good depth. Um, in midfield, then, if they play a three, Alan, Gbaman, and then that third role is going to be the interesting one. If they add Abdoulaye Ducouré, he fits in there. Uh, Andre Gomes could play there. Tom Davies could play there. Iwobi could play there. They can mix and match. Alan isn't going to play every game, not at his age, with the way he plays. He'll play some games, I'd imagine, as, as a holding midfielder, not just a box-to-box player. So they can mix things up, move things around a little bit. It does give them good strength. So Abdullah Dekure is meant to be the next one in the door. Um, I'm not overly keen on him. I think he's the type of player that turns up when the cameras are on and then in your run-of-the-mill games can just drift and disappear. 
I'm also not keen on him in a midfield too. But in a three, I think he works a lot better. So if Everton do go for a three in midfield, I think Decoure is a better fit there than he would be in the 4-4-2. They won't be finished at that point, though. These three signings are big steps in the right direction. But they're not quite enough just yet. They look, they, they look like they're going to add a right back. They've been linked to a couple. Um, Arias from Atletico Madrid, though he has coronavirus, so we'll wait and see on that one. Kenny Tete from Leon is the other one. Either of those would be really good additions and would box off then that, that right back spot. And that should be enough to get Everton challenging for Europa League. It won't be enough to get them to the, to the Champions League spots. And they shouldn't be deluded enough to think that that will. To get to the Champions League spots, they will need a centre-back. They will need to upgrade at centre-back. They will need to upgrade at the goalkeeper position. And I think they'd need to upgrade at the number nine. Unless Moise Keane takes off and finds his best form, then he can be that player. But I don't think Calvert-Lewin can. But these three signings are a good step for Everton. Now, they also brought in Niels and Kunku this year uh, from Marseille on a free transfer. My assumption is he will be the backup left back, replacing the retired Leighton Baines. That's a big ask for a young player because Lucas Dini is probably their most important player. So asking a young player to be his primary backup is a lot of pressure to put on him if Dini gets hurt or gets suspended or anything like that. So that's just one to watch there. They let a couple of other left backs go. Uh, Luke Garbutt was one I was a little bit surprised that they released, and Maddie Foles as well. So they're going to go with a small squad this year, um, which is what Carlo likes to work with. You don't imagine there'll be too many more signings after they secure that right back. Budget will have a lot to do with it as well, of course, but it's a good summer for Everton. It really is. It's a summer that Everton fans should take confidence from, that should fill them full of enthusiasm for the new year. They just have to remember they need to be patient. They just have to remember they need to be patient. This dude knows what he's doing. Carlo has won everywhere. League titles and Champions Leagues everywhere. The man knows what he's doing. So if things go badly for the first couple of weeks, you don't start booing him. You just you cheer for him louder. I think Everton will be right in the mix for Europa League spot. At the moment... Pre-Dekure, pre-right-back, I have them in the top half, but not quite in the Europa League mix. Once they add those two, they'll be right in that mix. Whether they make it or not, I don't know. But they'll definitely be in contention. And that's a, that's a good step forward from what you've been the last few years. So, uh, promising signs for the Ev. Moving on then to Fulham, newly promoted. Uh, and with a new lease on life, not coming up the way they did the last time and just splurging money for the sake of splurging money. Anthony Knockhart arrives in a permanent transfer from Brighton and Hove Albion, having played a big part in getting them up. Harrison Reed arrives in a permanent transfer from Southampton, having played a big part in getting them up. And then Mario Lamina comes in on loan, and Anthony Robinson arrives for about £2 million from Wigan. Ola Aina is rumoured to be the next one coming. He's arriving from Torino, Former Chelsea player, Nigerian uh, right-back, played for the English youth teams. Really good right-back. Really, really good right-back. A bunch of Premier League clubs could do with him. If Fulham can land him, it's a good signing. I still think they have an awful lot to do, though. I think they they will definitely need at least, a, at least one centre-back. 
at least one. They'll definitely need one up front because you can't just rely on Mitrovic. You need a second goal scorer. I think they could do with a bit more creativity in wide areas. Like they were in for Eberici easy and that one didn't work. Rumours are they're in for Ben Rama from Brantford, but the price on him is quite high. We'll see. I mean, there's, it's going to be interesting. At the moment, I think they're going to struggle. As things stand, I think they're going to struggle. I think at the, mo- at the moment, I'd probably make them favours to go down. But it's early. There's a month left in the transfer window. And Scott Parker worked really, really well last season. I didn't expect Fulham to get promoted. I didn't think they had the squad to do it. But he got the most out of everybody. Got them up. They'll give it a they'll give it a go. They will be full of fight. That's one thing you can be guaranteed about a Scott Parker team. But at the moment, I think they could be in a little bit of bother. Um, they're they're just short on quality, short on bodies and attack. They've got a lot of central midfielders. None that you would say are standout players. None that you would really hang your hat on at the Premier League level. A lot of them were very good in the Championship, but the Premier League's a different beast. So I would have concerns about where they will where they'll end up. Um it's gonna be a tough year regardless because when you're newly promoted it's always a tough year. But they have a lot of work to do between now and the end of the transfer window. As things stand right now, I think unfortunately for Fulham, uh they're staring at a return to the championship. Uh, fellow promoted side Leeds have been busier uh, and I think quite ambitious as well. They've done two transfer policies this summer. They're strengthening their first team and then they're bringing in elite young talents for their under-23 team. So they're building for now and for the long term. Um, for the long term, they've got Joe Gellhart, hugely rated from uh, Wigan Athletic. Charlie, Ad- Charlie Allen from Linfield, hugely rated. Cody Dramey from Fulham, I don't know much about. Sam Greenwood from Arsenal, very, very highly rated. Those, those kind of players are really smart signings for Leeds. That's players you probably don't expect to help you for the next two to three years. But then after that, they'll develop. They'll be first team caliber players. That'll be the hope. But for the first team, Ilan Messler, the keeper who came over last year on loan, they've signed him permanently. It looks like he'll be the number one this year. Rodrigo, Spanish international, coming from Valencia. Robin Koch coming from uh, Freiburg, German international central defender. And then Jack Harrison, loan with an option to buy from Manchester City. I like these moves. Harrison, of course, has been there, I think, the last two years. So they're just keeping him. Um, on yet another loan. I think I think City are quite happy for this because you know, he's getting really good development under Bielsa. I think Leeds will eventually buy him, but they're just happy with the current arrangement where they don't have to pay a big fee for him, but they get the use of him. Um, Leeds aren't finished either. Rodrigo De Paul is rumoured to be next. Uh, he's he's a tremendous footballer. He will add so much quality, goals, assists, creativity. He's not afraid of hard work. He's got the right kind of attitude to come in and not fear anybody. And Bielsa's team won't fear anybody. And that's the unusual thing with Leeds is that they come up to the Premier League with an established world-class manager. You don't really see that very often. You get young managers, you get guys who've been up and down, 
guys who drop down a level to rebuild, like Slavin Bilic. Um, you don't get many Marcelo Bielsa's. And what he did last season was was tremendous. I mean, Leeds were great last year. They had a bit of a wobble second half of the season, but they still walked the championship. Very, very comfortable finish for them. And I expect them to do quite well this year. I don't think they'll be in the relegation battle, if I'm being honest, because I think he's too good. And I think the signings they're making are the right moves. Robin Cock is, a, is an upgrade on Ben White defensively. He's not the ball player that White is, but defensively, he is an upgrade. Um, they're rumoured to be bringing in this young Croatian centre-back. I wouldn't imagine he'll be a starter, but he'll be one to develop. He's going to cost a lot of money, so you'd imagine he'll play, but Liam Cooper and Cock should be the, the starting pair, and that's two good defenders. Um, Luke Ayling at right back, he's, again, reliable, solid citizen, gets forward pretty well, um, has some flaws in his game, but all in all, you know, he's good. Left back, they've got a couple of options. I'd imagine Stuart Dallas is, is maybe one of the favourites to start there. Um, midfield, Calvin Phillips is the, is the star in midfield for me. I think he's I think he's tremendous. I think he could play for pretty much any Premier League team. If they can add Rodrigo de Paul into that midfield mix, that's going to give them so much strength. I'm not sure they have the goals up front to fully do what they're capable of. Rodrigo's really good as an all-round player, but he's not a huge goal scorer. Patrick Bamford's a good all-round player, but he's not a huge goal scorer. But maybe they'll find goals from somewhere else. I still think they need to bring in... If they get Rodrigo de Paul and they get that other centre-back, I still think they need one. I still want them to look for someone to play off the right in the games where Pablo Hernandez can't play. Maybe even play more than Pablo Hernandez, who's now 35. I, I've said before, I think Gerard De La Fe would be perfect there, especially... If it's to replace Pablo Hernandez, very similar type of player, could learn a ton from him. Definitely available after Watford went down. I'm confident that Leeds will be the lower end of the mid-table, bottom half, but I don't think they'll be in the relegation battle. I think there's talent in the squad, and I think the manager's too good. I don't think they're going to be in the relegation battle. And I could see them reloading a bit in January as well because I think they've got an ambitious owner. They've got an aggressive director of football. If they see an opportunity to make a move, I think they'll do it. Um, next up then is Leicester. So, so far they haven't done a huge amount. They uh, sold Kaputska to Legia Warsaw and sold Ben Chilwell to Chelsea. Now, the Chilwell deal... I think they've pulled Chelsea's pants down a little bit. 50 million. And I like Chilwell, but 50 million, that's an obscene amount of money. They've brought in Timothy Castanier as a replacement. And he's a good player. He's also a right back. Now, he can play on the left. And Atalanta, at, at Atalanta, he was primarily the backup to both sides. But that was wingbacks in a 3-4-3 not in a 4-1-4-1, which is what Brendan used most of last season. So maybe Rodgers is looking 
to move Leicester to a back three. He has the players. He probably needs one centre-back. But Rodrigo is ideal for as a wing-back. If he's on one side and Castany is on the other, it's not perfect because you'd still rather a left-sided or a left-footed player. But Castanier will make it work. He's a good player. Um, then in midfield, you'd have Tielemans, Madison and Ndidi, one behind the other two. Up front, you could push Harvey Barnes up front, and then you've got Harvey Barnes and Vardy, that kind of pace. That could be very, very difficult to deal with. But at the back, they definitely need to get one body in. Because, I mean, they only have Benkovic and Morgan behind the nominal starting two at the moment, which is Evans and uh, Sayonchu. So you don't really want either Morgan starting or Morgan as your fourth centre-back. Ideally, at this point in his career, you want Wes Morgan as your, probably as your sixth centre-back. That's, that's to be honest. I think you probably want him as your sixth centre-back. So I think they've got work to do. I think they need to add one, one in defence at least, maybe two, probably two. If they're going to play a back three, probably two centre-backs. Now, if they're going to play the 4-1-4-1, Castanier is not the ideal fit. But they still have needs. I still think a centre-back upgrade over Johnny Evans and a right-winger, someone to can play off the right, cutting in, a David Brooks type. That's the kind of player you'd want there. But whichever way they want to play, I think they have needs. And I, I think they have... I think they have concerns as well. I'd be a little bit concerned about Leicester this year. Because of how poorly last season ended and it wasn't just the end it was basically everything from the night Liverpool went and beat them at the King Power everything after that was just really really poor bear in mind Leicester beat Southampton 9-0 and from then until the end of the season Southampton took more points that was the 25th of October and from then till the end of the season. Southampton took more points. Leicester had a great first half of the season and a dreadful second half of the season. And they really, they really ended it without much of a fight. I mean, they won on New Year's Day away to Newcastle and then they only won four games the rest of the way. They beat West Ham at home, who they should beat at home, they beat Villa at home, who they should beat at home. They beat Palace at home. That was a decent result. And they beat Sheffield United at home, and that was a good result. But, I mean, they were so poor. They lost away to Norwich. Drew away to Watford. Drew at home to Brighton. Lost, got absolutely smacked around at Bournemouth. You know, and then going into the last two games, Champions League qualification still in their hands. They go and they give up at Spurs, and they don't turn in any type of a fight at home to United on the last day. It was, it was just a very easy two 0 win for United. I I would be very concerned about that run of games, about about that kind of form. I'm concerned that will carry over into this season. I think they have the talent to once again compete 
for the Champions League, but I don't think they're going to be in the mix. As things stand, I don't think they are. I think they're going to be more in the Europa League, and I would even wouldn't be surprised to see them miss out on Europa League this year. I just think that kind of hangover can have a bad effect. And Brendan Rodgers, unfortunately for him, when things have gone badly in his career, he's never really been able to figure out how to turn things around. When he took over at Liverpool, things weren't great. Like, But Liverpool had been terrible the year before. So he started off at a very low ebb. The club was was very, very low at the time. Their form in the previous half of the season, uh, the, sorry, the, the, the end of the previous season, had been relegation form. Now, they'd won a cup and got to a cup final. That's all nice. But in the league, they'd had relegation form for five months. And it took Rodgers a while to get out of that. And then he just turned the team over to Luis Suarez. And then Suarez just went bananas and everything started to click for them. Coutinho arrived, Sturridge arrived. Uh, Sterling took off. Gerrard started to play well. Jordan Henderson started to play well. Um, but once Suarez was gone then, and Leicester, as good as good as players as they have, they don't have anyone like Luis Suarez. Once Suarez left, it all just fell apart for Liverpool and Brendan didn't know how to fix that. I don't know that he'll know how to fix this issue at Leicester. Now, hopefully he will. Hopefully for his sake and for their sake, he will. Hopefully he will know how to sort this out. But sort it out, he must. Sort it out, he absolutely must. Leicester are too good to not be in the Champions League mix. There's too many really good players there. Like, Ricardo Pereira is one of the two or three best right-backs in the league. I think Sayonchu is a top-three centre-back. Indeed, he's a top-three or four defensive midfielder. I love Yuri Thielmans. I love James Madison. I love Harvey Barnes. Vardy's one of the best goal scorers in the league. There's too much talent there for them not to be challenging for Champions League. They have a better first eleven than Chelsea, than Manchester United. Without a shadow of a doubt, they have a better first eleven. Even with Chelsea's additions, I'd still take Leicester's first eleven. They should have a better manager. Brendan Rodgers should be better than Ollie, should be better than Frank. Depth is an issue. They're a much smaller club than Manchester United, smaller club than Chelsea. So that's understandable, but they do need to address the depth issue. I mean, last season, a couple of injuries and they fell apart. And once you start to fall apart, confidence goes and, and it's a bad sign. But I think Leicester, as things stand, I have them in the Europa League mix. But they've got a month. They have a month to address things. They have money in the bank as well. Um, so I think I think they'll let Brendan spend. It's just a matter of how he spends it. He hasn't had a great track record. His transfer record at Liverpool, an abomination. Um, his transfer record at Celtic, a disgrace. It remains to be seen what he does at, uh, at Leicester. But he needs to sort it out in the next month or so. Uh, moving on to Liverpool then, the reigning Premier League champions. Just the one signing in the door so far, Costas Simicus from Olympiacos for about £12 million. Uh, Dejan Lovren, Adam Lalana, Ovi Ajaria, Nathaniel Klein all out the door. Um, Liverpool standing at a net profit of about £2 million now, so well done to them for that. 
they have needs though. I mean, as as good as they were last year, there's definite needs in the squad. Simicus definitely answers one of the bigger needs that backup left back. But with Lovren gone, they need a body at centre back. Um, I I have all, I feel they need a starting centre midfielder. I think the one thing that upgrades their team is a starting centre midfielder. Uh, they could go a bunch of different ways. Thiago Alcantara is the the most linked one, but it's bored me to tears, so we're not going to talk about that anymore. And they need one in, up front. They need quality behind their front three. Minamino looks like a real player now. So if you have him plus one more, then you'd have five to rotate the three positions. And then the likes of Harvey Elliott can be used you know, in spot situations when you need him. Uh, they've got players to sell. Origi can be sold. Shakiri can be sold. Wilson can be sold. Grujic can be sold. They've got players to sell to raise money. It's getting them out the door is the issue. I think Liverpool's asking prices for some of these players may be a little bit unrealistic. But with Villa having missed out on Callum Wilson and not making any inroads on Ollie Watkins... I think Liverpool should be calling them and offering them Divock Origi. With Leeds wanting someone to play off the right, call them and offer them Harry Wilson. Call whoever it was that was calling you in January and offer them Shakiri. You'll find that you'll find a buyer for Grujic, there's no question. Um, even if you take less money, just do it. Get the players in the door. That's the most important thing. Get the players in the door. Go and buy yourself that fourth centre-back, which you need, because they could muddle by up front. They have bodies, at least, up front. They can muddle by in midfield. They have bodies in midfield. It's not really muddling by either. Like They've they've got good players in midfield, but they can get by. The centre-back thing they need to address. Fabinho, as good as he is, not a centre-back. And when you play him at centre-back, you can't play him at holding midfield. So you've weakened your team. Regardless of how you want to look at it, Fabinho not being at holding midfield weakens Liverpool. Um, I think the only way Alcantara arrives at this point is if Wijnaldum leaves. I do think it's likely that that's what happens, that Wijnaldum goes probably to Barcelona and that uh, Thiago comes in, but remains to be seen. They've got a great manager. They're going to be in the title mix again. They'll be top two. Uh, and that's all I'll say for today about them, is that they'll be top two. And the other team that will be top two are Manchester City. And City have more needs than Liverpool, but City have more money than Liverpool. City have been more aggressive in the transfer market than Liverpool. So far, they've brought in Ferran Torres and Nathan Aki while selling Leroy Sané. They also did a bit of uh, financial chicanery by bringing in Pablo Moreno for £9 million and claiming to sell Felix Correa for £9.5 million. Remarkable that these £2 million footballers are going for £9 million, uh, but that's what the accounting practices of today are. Juventus are very, very weird. How you could claim to have paid £9 million for uh, for Felix Correa and £70 million or whatever it is they've claimed to pay for our tour and actually get away with it, I have no idea. But uh, City have needs. I mean, they need a left-back. Everybody can see they need a left-back. Benjamin Mendy's a good player when he's fit. But the days he's fit are rarer than a sunny day in Ireland. Um, 
none of the rest of them really work at left back. The options they have, they need a right side centre back. They're strongly linked with Koulibaly. If they sign him, they sign him. I just don't think he's the one. He's not a right side centre back. He plays left side, so that's going to be a little bit of an alteration for him to move his position. Um, they've obviously got great options in midfield. Losing David Silva, but they have Phil Foden. They have Bernardo Silva. They have Ilkay Gundogan. They'll be all right in midfield. Up front, I, I don't think they've replaced Leroy Sané at all. Um, Ferran Torres is really talented. Don't get me wrong. But Leroy Sané being left-footed was a massive part of what made Leroy Sané so effective because he could spread the, spread the play vertically and horizontally. He could hug the touchline when you needed him to. And with De Bruyne able to step out from his right side central midfield role and play right wing. That made the pitch so wide that City were really hard to pick up. And the season that it worked for them, they were just incredible. They were impossible to stop. Two seasons it worked for them. De Bruyne was injured for a lot of the second one, but that worked so well. It was so important to what they did. De Bruyne with the killer pass to Sané or David Silva with the slip ball to Sané cutting in behind the fullback. And then the simple roll across for Aguero or Sterling to tap in. Nobody else in the squad offers them that because none of the rest of them will play there. Now, Riyad Mahrez could play that role just by being left-footed, but it's not something he's done a lot in his career. I think they need to go and buy a natural left-footed winger. Even if it's someone that does predominantly play on the right, like Chukwesi from... Um, Villarreal he could play on the left and be super effective for them but I think that's what they need to do in attack and like I say right side centre back and a left back I still think they've got three major needs so they'll be in the top three they'll be better this year but there's a lot of question marks this year I mean they've lost David Silva this summer they lost company last summer they lost Yaya the year before they lost Zabalette, I think the year before that. It's a lot of leadership. Not a lot coming in. This could be the last season for Fernandinho. It could be the last season for Pep. So what does that mean? Does that mean they focus on the Champions League and maybe don't have the full focus on the Premier League, which could become an issue second half of the season when everything gets really condensed because there's so many more games to get through. I think City will be top two. They'll be in the title race. We'll leave it at that for today with them. Uh, their their neighbours, Manchester United, only the one signing of note so far, Donny van de Beek. Again, I like the player. I don't like the fit. Um, they have bodies in attacking midfield and centre midfield. They needed a, a holding midfield player. They need a centre back. Potentially, they need a, a left back as well. I think you can get through the season with Shaw and with Brandon Williams. Um, they've got options at right back with uh, Juan Basaka, Delot, and uh, Foster Mensa, Maguire, Bailly, Lindelof. They need a centre back. They need a starting centre back to go with Harry Maguire. Then Lindelof and Bailly are backups, and that's that's strong. That's strength. Um, De Gea and Henderson in goal, obviously. Romero still there as well for now. But they need to sort out that centre-back spot and they need to go and get someone to play the holding midfield role with Pogba and with Bruno. Um, and then Donny can just be a squad player. 
he can play a little bit of centre midfield, but you'll have to change things to play him there. He can't play Pogba's role. He can play, obviously, the attacking midfield role. you probably get some games out of him a false nine, but they still need a backup striker and they still need a backup wide player. So I still have them with four, two major needs, two starting needs and two squad needs. I have them with four players that they need. They haven't addressed any of them so far. Uh, I'm not sold on Oli. Um, I don't know that they're a better team under him than they were under Jose. They score less goals. Last season, 14 penalties from 66 goals. Was it 66 goals? That's not good. When that many of your goals are penalties, uh, 66 goals scored, 14 of them penalties. That's really not good. Um, You're not going to get that every year. If they even half that and they don't replace that with actual goals from open play, that's 59 goals then. And that's not good at all. Uh, I think they stagnated last year. I don't think they got better. I don't think they got worse. I think they just stayed the same as they were the year before. And other teams got worse. Spurs got worse. Chelsea got worse. Arsenal got worse. Uh, Manchester City got worse. I think they just stayed the same. Teams dropped below them. They moved up the league. Uh, I don't think they're a top four team. This season, unless they re- they bring in the players they need, I don't think they'll make top four. Um, I think they'll be the best of the rest in all likelihood. I think the other teams maybe have a bit more work to do. But I would be a little bit concerned about this season as a, if I was a United fan. Because I just don't think there's enough quality there. I don't think there's enough creativity there. There's no backups if your front three get hurt. There's Dan James. You could, as I said, you could maybe play Donny, Donny Van Der Beek in one of those front three roles, but it's not not a great fit. Like that's the thing, the fit is not right. So for me, I'd be a little bit concerned as a United fan about what this season's going to bring. Really tight schedule. Ollie, not the best tactical manager in the world. Maybe not the best at using his squad to the fullest either. Tends to have trusted lieutenants, which is is absolutely admirable. Klopp is the same. Doesn't use much of his squad, has the guys he trusts. But I don't know that the guys that Ollie trusts are necessarily good enough to keep them where they want to be. Um, they're certainly not in a position to challenge for the title this year. Not, not as things stand. Now, again, they have a month. A lot can happen in that month. If they were to go out tomorrow and land a top-class holding midfielder and a top-class central defender, that definitely changes things. That makes their first 11 much stronger. If they could then go out and add a quality-wide player who doesn't have to play every game but can be used in certain situations, can be used in different looks, different sets, different system, then they're maybe a title-challenging team. I think they're in the Champions League mix. I'm just not sure they make it at the moment. I think I have them as best of the rest as things stand. But they have a month. And they have the money. It's Manchester United. That's the thing. They'll they'll, they'll pull money from somewhere if a player becomes available. Uh, I wonder if they've spent a little bit too long focused in on Sancho and maybe could have addressed every other need they had. I, I do prefer the signing of Donny van der Beek to the potential signing of Jack Grealish. Let's be clear on that. Um, van der Beek is a better player than Grealish and was half of what Grealish will cost. Um, and if they can use the other half of that on a backup nine, like if they went and signed Odson, Odson Edward from Celtic 
and put him into their front their front mix, that'd be a big upgrade. If they took the money they're talking about spending on Sancho and went and bought let's say Ishmael Asar from Watford and a holding midfield player, then that would be, I think, a better use of the money than Sancho. As great as Sancho is, and Sar is not Sancho, but a holding midfielder, a really good one, plus Sar, I think benefits them more than Sancho. And then it's just the centre-back they need. It's not like the defence was terrible last year. They, they had one of the three or four best defences in the league. I just think moving forward, you'll want to upgrade on Lindelof. He's the he's the one I think you'd upgrade on because I I really I really really think Brandon Williams is going to be a top class player and I wouldn't want to block his path at left back. There's rumours there they've been offered Sergio Regulon. I put no stock in those at all, given where they came from. Um, and Real have made it clear they want to buy back if they sell him for on the cheap. And I don't think United will invest forty million on a left back. I think twenty million was, is what they would spend. And Real will only sell up at that price with a buyback clause, and United won't do that, surely. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's the seven teams for today. I'm sure, I, you know, I'll upset some people with with some of that. I, I, you know, I'd imagine Fulham fans will be a little bit upset. United fans probably a little bit upset, and Leicester fans. But that's just me being honest. That's what I think of what your teams have done so far this year. I, I don't think. Fulham have done enough yet. I don't think Leicester have done enough yet. And United haven't done enough yet. Liverpool also haven't done enough yet, but their starting position is much higher. Same with Manchester City. Everton and Leeds of the teams we've, we've done today have had the best windows so far. Um, they've been the most ambitious so far. And I think they'll be, they'll be rewarded. I think also after Manchester City and Manchester United... Oh, sorry, after Manchester City and Liverpool, of the teams I've done today... Everton and Leeds have the best managers. I mean, no matter what way you look at it, Bielsa and Carlo are better man- managers than Scott Parker, than Brendan Rodgers, and than, than Ollie. That's just the simple truth of it. Um, they're better than pretty much any other manager in the league, with the, maybe the sole exception of Jose. But we remain to be you know, shown what he can do. Um, I, I think... I think this season's shaping up to be really interesting, though. I think you're going to have a lot of competition for the Champions League spots. And then I think maybe around March, we'll see a little bit of a break. I think you could have legitimately seven teams competing for third and fourth. I think Liverpool and City will separate themselves. And I think you'll have about seven teams competing for third and fourth. I think around March, late March, we'll see a break then, and it'll be like four teams. And then one more will drop away, and it'll be three. Right up to to the last day of the season, I think we'll see three teams in the mix for those two Champions League spots. I think relegation is going to be tough as well. There's going to be a lot of teams potentially bad enough to get relegated this year. Um... But most teams seem to be having somewhat decent windows. So tomorrow we'll look at Newcastle, we'll look at Sheffield United, we'll look at Southampton, we'll look at Spurs, West Bromwich Albion, West Ham United and Wolverhampton Wanderers. 
and that will get us through the 20 teams. Uh, one addition to um, yesterday, I said Ethan Ampadu could play a big role for Chelsea. Now they've loaned him to Sheffield United. It does look like Eduard Mendy is going to go to Chelsea to be their new goalkeeper. Uh, I don't think he moves the needle for them. He's a good shot stopper. He's decent on crosses. But he's terrible with his feet. And he's very, very rash when he comes charging off his line as a sweeper keeper. Um, also, even though he's a good shot stopper, palms a lot of shots back into dangerous areas. And he is good on crosses. He'll come for absolutely everything, whereas one of the big issues with Kepa is that he stayed to his line. Mendy will come for absolutely everything. It's a little bit harder in the Premier League than it is in, in the French League. So we'll see how that, that adjustment works. from. But he's incredibly agile. He is an absolute unit. He's about 6'5", really, really bouncy. Like, never, ever, ever see him standing still. He is always on his toes. I don't think he's the best option for them. I think Rajkovic, the guy who actually replaced him at Stade de Reims, would be better. I think they could have gone and gotten Onana from, from Ajax if they'd been willing to spend a little bit more. But Mendy's an upgrade on what we've seen of Kepa. I think Kepa at Bilbao is a better keeper than Mendy, but that's not the Kepa we've seen in the Premier League. So, yeah, that's the addition for Chelsea. Uh, by the looks of it, that's that's what will happen. So we'll wait and see. Um, and I will see you tomorrow. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Guy Drinkle for producing. Thank you to EPLindex.com for the platform. Thank you to Liberty Shield, our presenting sponsor, for giving us the opportunity uh, Liberty Shield, of course, is a VPN provider, which could be beneficial to you if you have an IPTV service that is looking at being blacked out during Premier League games this year. Check out their services at libertyshield.com. I will see you tomorrow. Podcast Network.